0: Hey everybody. Happy Saturday. Uh, Today we are jumping back to an episode that was inspired by a trip I took to Epcot. But don't worry if you're not into theme park things. It is in no way about anything Disney. Nope. It is about the origins of the Phoenician alphabet and how that filled a communication gap for merchants when it was invented. So let's just hop right in. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry, And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And today we're talking about um, a piece of history that touches most people and probably most people that are listening to this podcast uh, in English. <laughs> yes, uh, but it also touches many other languages. And that is the Phoenician Alphabet. Uh, and it actually, um, I was inspired to research this a little bit because last time I was in Epcot and I was riding Spaceship Earth, which for anyone who doesn't know, that big gd sphere in the middle of the the um, front of the park that's kind of their icon, there's actually a ride in that. It's a very gentle and calm, but air conditioned, which is important. And you get to <laughs> sit down for a while. Ride, yes, yeah, through sort of the history of man and how we've evolved communications. And uh, our communication methods. And the ride broke down as we were just adjacent to the Phoenician tradership. And so for, and it was a long and unusually long breakdown. So for like 15 to 20 minutes, I just kept hearing over and over Dame Judy Dench saying, remember how easy it was to learn your ABCs? Thank the Phoenicians. They invented them. So after you hear that, uh, a hundred times, you start to think you should thank the Phoenicians and do some research. And that is how we landed here. I'm sort of imagining you in a no TV and no beer make home or something something (laughs) moment inside of Spaceship Earth. Well, to be fair, I really do love that ride and I love watching the animatronics and I kind of enjoy it, Mm -hmm. but it did sort of eventually bore into my brain and make me want to do some more research. Um, so just for a little background on the Phoenicians, uh, Phoenicia was situated on the eastern side of the Mediterranean, so along the coast of modern-day Syria and Palestine and including uh the lands of modern-day Lebanon, but they were pretty coastal. Their actual land wasn't very expansive, which is likely why they turned to the sea and life as merchants for most of their um, income and sort of well-being. So while today the Phoenicians may be known most for their alphabet, they innovated in other ways as well. And one of my favorites is uh, they knew how to make purple dye, which most people who have studied history at all know is kind of a huge deal. Um it's a big textile advancement. They were actually known for making some pretty impressive textiles. And the earliest example of their production of this so-called royal purple, which is a dye that was actually worth more than its weight in gold, was found in uh, the excavations of the 13th century BCE levels of um, the Phoenician city of Sarepta in Lebanon. And incidentally... Uh, And related to this, we don't really know what the Phoenicians called themselves. The name is actually Greek in origin, and it's uh, believed to signify the color purple-red that they were known for making, which is kind of interesting. So the dye was so important, they named a whole people after it. Yeah, it was a huge part of their culture that that was one of the things they had innovated some accounts even credit the Phoenicians with the discovery of glass making. And I read a few different versions of how that was discovered, uh, which is why I qualify it as some accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, I mean, they did make glass, but whether they actually discovered it or picked it up and then refined it, some historians argue about. Yeah. I should have asked the boyfriend. Oh yeah, because he's a pro at, um, yes, at how these things come to be. He has a degree in glass science. Yeah. Ask him and we'll get back to that one. Uh, but they were also really great shipmakers and sailors. And according to legend, uh, one of their greatest sort of accomplishments in terms of, um, seafaring was at the request of the Egyptian king Neko II and they circumvented or circumnavigated rather Africa in 600 BCE, uh, which is huge i mean that's a long it's a very long voyage journey and uh most accounts suggest that they actually stopped at one point and made land and lived on the land for a little while and got some crops going to sort of refill the boats yeah it seems like some sort of restocking yeah would have been necessary just for what it takes to support people on a boat. Yeah. And in 2008, uh, there was a reproduction built of a Phoenician ship. And it actually sailed the same course. And that's like a 20,000-mile voyage. So that's long. And it took that modern vessel two years. Uh, so presumably, you would have run out of supplies in a two-year period. Yeah. And would have had to restock. Um There are actually some historians who suspect that the Phoenicians traveled all the way to North America, although that is argued in um, in history circles. It's a controversial idea. Yeah. Uh, there's a March 2013 CNN article about the possibility. And in it, uh, they interviewed geology professor Dr. Mark McMenamin of Mount Holyoke College. And he mentions that there are actually Phoenician coins that are inscribed with maps of the old and new worlds, which supports this idea that they did, in fact, Make it to the Americas at some point. Um, and the same group that recreated that, um, circumnavigation of Africa is currently raising funds to sail that same ship across the Atlantic and try to see if that was truly possible. Because unlike where they went around Africa and they could kind of pull in and stop, (laughs) there's nowhere to pull (laughs) in. There's no, um, there's no rest stop between, (laughs) between there and, and here. Yeah. The idea of going across. They could find islands, but the, that's kind of a little bit of a long shot. Yeah. Well, and the idea of going across the whole Atlantic Ocean in a little tiny boat is kind of terrifying to me. It's not so tiny. It's certainly not a cruise ship. But no. It's um. It's, yeah. If I'm traveling across the whole Atlantic, I kind of want there to be, you know, a, a floating life, city, lifeboats, <laughs> yeah. and and a safety drill before we leave. Yeah. About how to get into the lifeboats. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, uh, I haven't read a lot about this particular plan, but I'm sure they have support crew always at the ready, cause they are hooked up to like GPS and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. They traded all over the Mediterranean and parts beyond, and their culture is recognized as the first real globalized business. Which is pretty cool. And about the alphabet, so prior to this alphabet, the Phoenicians were using a cuneiform script, just like the rest of Mesopotamia was. The roots of the Phoenician alphabet are in the 15th century BCE in what's sometimes referred to as the Proto-Canaanite or Proto-Sinaitic alphabet. The earliest examples of Phoenician writing date back to 1200 BCE, and they are inscriptions found in the city of Byblos. And it is no accident that uh, "biblos" is also the root word for bibliothèque and Bible. And bibliography. <laughs> exactly. All of the book-related words. Uh, if you were to look at a linguistic family tree of alphabets, Phoenician would be really close to the base. And because the Phoenicians traded with so many other cultures, their form of written communication spread really quickly and really widely. Uh, most other alphabets can actually be traced back to the Phoenician alphabet. So the direct descendants of it include Aramaic, Etruscan, Archaic Greek, Old Hebrew, and Proto-Arabic. And there is also even some influence in Indian and East Asian language. Only consonants are represented in the Phoenician alphabet. There are no vowels. This is also called an abjad alphabet. It made me think of when I was researching it. <laughs> When you see people's license plates Mm -hmm. that just have, you know, a very reduced version of a word and you have to kind of fill in the vowels. Yeah. Because initially I was like, how did that work? But that was kind of my modern ticket into how that might function. Or old real estate listings. Yeah. Before the internet when you only had so many column inches in the newspaper. (laughs) Uh, And there are actually only 22 letters. And those letters can be traced back to hieroglyphs in many cases. So their form and even um, there's... Often in some historical accounts, kind of a, uh, a flowchart of how like this word for ox turned into this shape, which turned into this letter, which has similar sound or whatever. Um, so there, it, it is, it was born of these other things, but it filled a void of sound-based alphabet. Generally, Phoenician was written from right to left, but in some instances, it was written in a Bustrophedon style, which means that it would alternate direction. Once one line would be written from right to left and the next from left to right. The alternating direction would continue so somebody reading the language could read their way down a passage of text without ever having to jump visually to the start of a new line, which as a child I just wondered why that was not how we did it. <laughs> well, it has been tried apparently. <laughs> uh but most mostly Phoenician to the best of my knowledge does go from right to left and you do have to do the jump just like we do in our left to right reading of English. There were also not normally spaces between words, which seems a little bit crazy, I think, to the modern mind. Uh, but there were sometimes dots to distinguish words, and sometimes there were vertical slashes, like a vertical stroke. Uh, but eventually, spaces did come into play. And by the 6th century BCE, spaces were becoming more common than the dots or the vertical strokes to create word separation. The Phoenician numeral system was also written from right to left, and it bears a resemblance to the Roman numeral system. It combines symbols to create complex numbers a lot like Roman numerals do. Yeah, and much of the Old Testament was originally written down using the Phoenician alphabet, because there weren't really any other options in the way of a standardized writing system at the time that was an actual alphabet and not pictogram. So, why did the Phoenicians want to create an alphabet in the first place? There is a very short answer for this. Bookkeeping. Yes, they were um, they were trading. Uh, Roman scholar Pliny the Elder is credited with defining the Phoenicians as the first traveling salesman, and Pliny the Elder gets a little bit of. Um, a grain of salt with anything you read he was apparently given to exaggeration and he was very very pro-Phoenician like he really admired that culture but it is pretty widely accepted that he was accurate in this characterization of them um, because they were traveling all over the place and their entire culture was really based on trade so as we mentioned they traveled all over the Mediterranean and maybe even the globe The goal of the new alphabet was to create a system that would be easy to learn and understand by their business associates. And before this, written communication had been pretty pictogram-based. It was so diversified that different societies could not share written information and have everyone know what the symbols meant. So the Phoenicians found this way to break words down into characters with different sounds that could be combined to create any number of words. Because this was a written codification of sound instead of pictograms, it was easily adaptable to multiple languages. And because this alphabet was invented to record and track trades, the alphabet itself sort of became traded. Uh, it was the language of business transactions, but it also got adopted for general use because it filled this void of systemized writing that was, again, not pictogram-based that uh, people could pick up pretty easily. Yeah, and that lets, lets you more easily transliterate other languages exactly. Cadmus the Phoenician is giving credit for introducing the alphabet of his people to the Greeks, as told in the writings of Herodotus. And Herodotus says the Phoenicians who came with Cadmus introduced into Greece after their settlement in the country a number of accomplishments of which the most important was writing an art till then I think unknown to the Greeks. At first they used the same characters as all the other Phoenicians but as time went on and they changed their language they also changed the shape of their letters. At that period most of the Greeks in the neighborhood were Ionians. They were taught these letters by the Phoenicians and adopted them with a few alterations for their own use, continuing to refer to them as the Phoenician characters, as was only right as the Phoenicians had introduced them. So even though it had evolved, they still attributed its, um, the alphabet to the Phoenicians. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. point out that even though this was a defined writing system, there were variations on the alphabet in different Phoenician colonies. Cypro-Phoenician, Sardinian, and the Punic and Neo-Punic, which is the cursive version of Punic, versions found in Carthage. The Carthage versions of the alphabets continued to be used until about the 3rd century CE. And with the development of this new written alphabet also came new ways of writing. So it kind of catalyzed a whole new age of communication. Uh, wax tablets came into being where they could um, imprint letters into the wax. Pens, ink, papyrus, parchment, and eventually paper kind of all came from this development. So it was a very rapid growth element in the world of communication. In 332 BCE, Alexander the Great put Phoenicia under Greek control. And then in 146 BCE, Rome demolished Carthage after pursuing Hannibal there after the Second Punic War, and what was left of Phoenicia became part of the Roman Empire and ironically, very few instances of Phoenician writings actually remain. Uh, the papyrus that they often wrote on and some of those early forms of paper has really not survived terribly well. What we know mostly is from other cultures writing about how awesome the Phoenicians were and about their alphabet and its development. Um, the oldest surviving ph- Phoenician writing example, which we briefly mentioned earlier, is in Byblos, and it's on the sarcophagus of King Ahirium, and it's dated at approximately 1200 BCE. And most of what we know, like I said, has actually come from the writings of the Greeks. So even though the Phoenicians have kind of, there's a a little bit of a shroud of... um, lack of information around them from them other cultures wrote about them enough that we know about them Yeah, it's really cool so now if you're stuck in spaceship earth you'll know (laughs) thank the Phoenicians they invented them also the way that Dame Judi Dench says that is so charming that I will never ever forget it it's pretty awesome it's because Dame Judi Dench is awesome yeah she is prior to her it was Walter Cronkite that narrated that ride but uh, then they updated it a few years back and she took it over and did a beautiful job Thank you. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit NFL.com slash release to learn more. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise.